All right, we're going to move on to talking about abdominal pain in the emergency department and how to manage it with a multimodal strategy. The first approach to abdominal pain, like any emergent condition or patient who presents to the emergency department, is you want to identify, do you think this is a life-threatening condition? So we need to think about abdominal aortic aneurysm, aortic dissection, is this an obstruction, a perforated viscous, do they have some kind of volvulus or torsion, like testicular torsion, is it mesenteric ischemia? You know, your pain management in those situations is really going to be, is is the patient awake? Are they hypotensive? And you, you're probably going to be using things like fentanyl, depending on what their blood pressure is, and opioids up front until you're able to stabilize them. So I would say abdominal pain, the abdomen's this black box, um, and you really have to go on what the patient looks like to decide what your pain management strategy, if it's an emergent condition, use the things that prioritize what, what their hemodynamics are first. But if you think, you know, this is a mild abdominal pain, then I would say take a step and break it down. Is this acute or is it chronic abdominal pain. So acute abdominal pain, we think about conditions that cause inflammation in either the gut or the structures in the abdomen. And so we're talking about appendicitis, cholecystitis, pancreatitis, you know, that could be gastric reflux or gastritis, a gastroenteritis, diverticulitis, colitis, inflammatory bowel disease. And each of these kind of carries its own group of medic medicines that you can treat them with. Now, th these diagnoses that are very inflammatory based are different than a chronic abdominal pain. And chronic abdominal pain conditions can be broken down into things like gastroparesis or irritable bowel syndrome. Sometimes we can get chronic abdominal pain that we don't have an explanation for, and they're continuing to go through a workup. And sometimes they've been in the emergency department quite a few times and we don't have an explanation. And there's different strategies that I think we can try to manage those with because those patients can be at higher risk for developing a dependence on opioids if we treat them with opioids every time they come into the emergency department. With acute abdominal pain, we definitely don't have to go to opioids always. And I think uh, traditionally that's been a default mechanism for abdominal pain, but you can use a multimodal strategy that is stepwise. So for GERD or gastritis, usually my first uh, approach would be I'm going to give them a GI cocktail. And in our emergency department, that is viscous lidocaine with an antacid. Then I might add an H2 blocker on. And if that doesn't work, you know, you can consider acetaminophen, you might consider opioids. But most of the time, if it is actually those things, that works very well for treating GERD or gastritis. It's rare that I have to go to an opioid or some other treatment modality for, for that diagnosis. Yeah, I think if you're moving towards that and that's the diagnosis you're thinking of, you may need to reconsider some other things. Yeah, yeah. And that's when you'd probably be thinking about doing a CAT scan to, to prove to yourself that this is actually <laughs> gastritis. Because uh, cholecystitis and gastritis can definitely sometimes mimic each other. Let's go on to cholecystitis. Uh, what surprised me when I was looking into this about uh, managing cholecystitis, that uh, there's been several studies that looked at NSAIDs in the treatment of cholecystitis. And it kind of makes sense. It's an inflammatory condition and that medicines like Atorolac can be effective uh, in treating cholecystitis pain. For me, it's not that I'm not necessarily going to give an opioid if you have cholecystitis, but I'm also not going to not give you an NSAID if it's so highly effective. I'm going to try a multimodal strategy. And if I'm able to spare 
the amount of opioids you're exposed to, you may have a better recovery time because we've looked at a lot of the, the operative literature in patients who uh, don't get as much opioids before and during uh, surgeries. They have faster recovery times and less pain afterwards. So I think about this in the emergency department when I have inflammatory conditions. If I can give acetaminophen and NSAIDs first, if it doesn't control your pain, I'm going to quickly add an opioid for cholecystitis, but at least try a multimodal strategy for that. Same thing with appendicitis. There's been some study of using NSAIDs in the pediatric population. I didn't find any good literature for the adult population, but NSAIDs is a, a strategy you can use in appendicitis as well, and it makes sense. You're, you're decreasing inflammation. Um, and I've done this in several of my patients, and it's shown good effect, at, even at times where all I had to give when it wasn't a severe appendicitis, uh, I gave Tylenol and Gintorlac, and they had good pain relief. Yeah, I found personally, this is all anecdote from my experience, but Gintorlac has worked quite well, even in pediatric patients I've had with perfed appendicitis uh, waiting to go to the operating room. Pancreatitis can be a much more difficult diagnosis to manage. Um, This is because it it comes in several different flavors. There's definitely the acute pancreatitis patient comes in, they, they were binge drinking the night before, they have a rip-roaring pancreatitis. You can usually manage those patients with some antiemetics, fluids, maybe some small doses of opioids. But then the pancreatitis has that other flavor, the chronic pancreatitis, that's the smoldering pancreatitis. The patients have been on multiple medications, and those can be much more challenging. So I will definitely uh, give these patients acetaminophen. You, you avoid... NSAIDs because of the risk that pancreatitis can get worse with NSAIDs. Um, So we don't use NSAIDs in this population. I will use opioids, but if it's a patient who's chronically on opioids, I try not to escalate the opioids that they're always getting. And something that you can use is antiemetics like uh, promethazine and metoclopramide. Now, this will get a little bit into why dopamine antagonists like haloperidol and metoclopramide and promethazine um, have opioid-sparing effects and I find are very good in abdominal pain, but I use them quite frequently uh, as a pain medication. And this is because dopamine signaling in the brain, both in the brain stem and in the limbic system of the brain where where all the pain signals are processed from the body, uh, dopamine plays a key role in the experience of pain. So when you when you give low doses of a dopamine antagonist, like small doses of haloperidol, 2.5 milligrams, 5 milligrams, or the doses we give of antiemetics of, of promethazine or metoclopramide, you actually are causing um, a pain-relieving effect in the central nervous system. I will use, you know, promethazine in my patients who have either uh, a pancreatitis that I can't get on top of and I don't want to keep escalating the doses of opioids, or also in patients who have gastroparesis, um, which we don't want to keep using opioids in gastroparesis patients, right? Because gastroparesis, problem of usually nerves in the gut are not working as well because of -of out-of-control diabetes and patients develop gastroparesis, but what does opioids do? It slows down our gut even more. And so if we keep escalating the opioid doses, we can cause this kind of feedback loop that's worse. So we know that in these patients, actually they respond relatively well to low doses of haloperidol. Droperidol is a similar medication that used to be used more frequently. And then also sometimes I will use promethazine, which has that dopamine uh, antagonism as well. Um, And I find that it really works well 
well in, in, in these kind of pink, chronic pancreatitis, uh, chronic uh, gastroparesis type, type symptoms. Um, have you guys used haloperidol in any of these kind of chronic pain, pancreatitis, yeah. gastroparesis? This is actually one of my first line agents I actually go to now because yeah. I've seen such a good response. Not only do I think it helps with a lot of the uh, pathophysiologic as well as uh, pain mechanism pathways, but it also acts as somewhat like as a sedating agent that helps just the patient relax a little bit more too. Um, so kind of multi-targeted, I think, for both you know pain as well as a little bit of anxiolysis as well. Um, but specifically for these chronic pain syndromes you mentioned with abdominal pain, this is often my first line agent with like cyclic vomiting syndrome being one of those alongside gastroparesis as well. And then I think uh, dropiridol is actually going to be making its uh, way back here. As far as I know, the FDA has recently reapproved its use in the United States. So uh, might be using that in the future as another agent. Absolutely. Is ketamine another good option in these patients, perhaps? There isn't in pancreatitis specifically that I could find, but certainly in chronic pain syndromes, uh, as we discussed um, in our discussion on back pain, but ketamine is an NMDA antagonist um, in acute and chronic pain conditions. And if you have chronic pain in your abdomen and I'm not able to get on top of it with um, my usual uh, multimodal therapy and I'm using opioids, I might have already tried ketorolac acetaminophen, I would definitely use ketamine as sort of that breakthrough agent because I'm attacking the pain at a, at a different mechanism. And if it's a patient I don't want to escalate the, your opioid use, usage, I think it's an adjunct for, for abdominal pain for sure. Something else that's come up in the literature a lot is the use of lidocaine as a multimodal agent in renal colic specifically uh, for abdominal pain. And I have used it a few times. Um, the literature is somewhat conflicting right now about how effective it is. In the times that I have used uh, intravenous lidocaine, the effect did not last that long um, for my renal colic patients. There isn't a lot of great evidence for abdominal pain diagnoses outside of renal colic right now. Um, so if I use it, I would use it just within renal colic. But um, I certainly think it's a good multimodal strategy. If the patient isn't responding to acetaminophen or NSAIDs, I might even try to throw that promethazine in there uh, to treat the patient. But it's a patient I don't want to go to opioids for, whether they've had a history of opioid use disorder, or I think opioids are, for some other reason, contraindicated to that patient. They have an allergy. Lidocaine might be another good step to use. Um, have you guys had a chance to use lidocaine in, in renal colic? I've typically avoided it um, just because there's not good evidence out there supporting it or necessarily refuting it. I know a lot of providers just do the risk of adverse cardiac effects are more against it. So typically, uh, I just don't have that much experience myself in using it. Same. I mean, I've honestly had great responses with ketorolac, and so I've hadn't had to go to IV lidocaine. Talking a little bit more about Ketorolac, definitely want to emphasize things you want to avoid it in pancreatitis, uh, GERD, gastritis, diverticulitis, colitis. Uh, NSAIDs are contraindicated in these conditions. Uh, in colitis and diverticulitis, there's concern that um, it affects healing and could increase your risk of perforation. So in general, it, it's recommended not to use it in, in those conditions. But I, de I still definitely use it in the appendicitis, cholecystitis uh, uh, realm of abdominal pain. Now, one, one other area uh, we should talk about that we 
have to deal with in the emergency department, cannabinoid hyperemesis that has been on the rise in the last uh, five to 10 years as use of cannabis has increased. This responds pretty well to haloperidol, probably through the dopamine antagonism. It both helps with nausea and the abdominal pain component. I only give 2.5 milligrams intravenously. You can give up to five milligrams. You definitely don't want to give real high doses. Capsaicin on the abdomen has shown some uh, evidence that it can help. And then I will also use uh, promethazine or metoclopramide, similar to the dopamine antagonism that you, you find with haloperidol. Uh, the other diagnosis that we deal with for chronic abdominal pain is irritable bowel syndrome. This is a really difficult one to treat. You definitely don't want to start a patient on opioids necessarily in the emergency department unless you're backed into a corner and you don't have any other options because this is a pain that's going to be recurrent throughout their lives and starting them on opioids when there might be other therapies that are better is something that we should try to avoid. Things you can start in the emergency department, dicyclamine or hycosamine, both have been shown to be effective in irritable bowel syndrome. You can give them acetaminophen. A lot of these patients might be started on something um, like an SNRI, uh, but they should have a referral to a gastroenterologist because it's going to be something they need to learn to manage over time. Did you guys have any other thoughts or? No, I think we hit a lot of the good points and specifically in these chronic abdominal pains that once you've rolled out some life-threatening or emergent surgical condition, I, I think it's a good point that these D2 antagonists like haloperidol should be considered as first-line agents in addition to some other therapies here because they have shown high success rates. Um, and, and it's just a, another way to spare opiate use therapy in this patient population that is at high risk for developing opiate tolerance as well as chronic pain and chronic pain syndromes requiring opiates long-term. The only other thing I could think of is in regards to chronic abdominal pain, um, specifically regarding uh, abdominal migraine and how I know there are patients that benefit from uh, tricyclic antidepressants, actually, with, uh, with those. And I often don't see that treated um, that way too often in the emergency department, but I know that that's, uh, that that's an efficacious means as well. Yeah, I think some of the um, serotonin and uh, other neurotransmitters that are targeted both in depression and other chronic pain syndromes Certainly chronic abdominal pain type syndromes can be treated that way. We don't tend to start those in the emergency department, but the gastroenterologist, you'll definitely see patients get initiated on, on some of those medications. Great. Uh, well, this concludes our supplemental podcast. Uh, we thank you for uh, taking the time to join us and um, have a good day.